welcome to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver. I'm Tasha Sims. And I'm Mark Caron. That was Kid Cudi. Wasn't that a cool track? It was awesome. And guess how long that track was? It was 420, which is kind of appropriate. <laughs> and one thing I want to just acknowledge you, Tasha, for all you listeners out there, Tasha actually takes care of the music and selects theme-appropriate songs for our shows. And I just want to give her a big shout-out because she does a great uh, job. So You know, I, thank I love you that, that part. That's my very, that's like the icing on the cake. Well, I, I love it because it's me. always kind of theme-related. You do such a great job. I have you know, fun with it. Now, if I was to say anything, more Canadian content would be awesome. But I give you one know, every single I time. I, I hate know. being told what to do. I know. Gotta hey. play Canadian. <laughs> I mean, hey, if it's just, good, you know, I'll play it. And, and she does. So I thank you for that. Okay. So, hey, we've got, guess what I have for you? It's time to play that now. Did you now. bring chocolate? No. Oh. I brought something I've been asking you for. Oh, yes, you did. I brought jingles. She brought jingles. Okay. Here's our, here's our first try. And if you don't like it, that's cool. We're going to try a whole bunch of different jingles for our opening segment hang on let's see oh not that one try the happy one I'm, I'm, I'm trying where is it again under jingles jingles, jingles are under jingles so I don't know you guys who have been tuning in for a while oh now I, I've got to talk and you're in it See, right there. There it is. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, we've been looking for some music for our segment, Good News. And so here's what we're going to try. Our first one. You ready? No, I'm not. There it is. I am ready now. I am ready. Okay. Okay, you ready? So Here good go. news. Big bites of pure happiness. It's a choice. World events feeding the hearts of optimists around the globe. Good news. Good news. Okay, this week, Global Sharing Week. Now, you didn't have to cut it so fast. The whole point of a jingle is I can groove to the samba as I'm sharing the first piece of good okay, news. please forgive me. You know Future. how technically challenged I am when Future. I run a radio show, so yeah. go figure. I know. Sharing can change the world is the theme of Global Sharing Week, which is all this week till the 22nd. Um, they put out a book, which is so cool, with all these stories of how sharing economy is transforming lives. Um incredible stories inspiring stories and they're open to your events so if you've got an idea for how to share this week call them register uh, on their website globalsharingweek.org and it can nothing's insignificant it could be the smallest thing it could be i was thinking i might go out and do coffee with my dog with street people tomorrow like that's little but it, it would be cool it would be my sharing economy that Absolutely. I could do, right? So yeah. whatever, you got clothes in your closet, give them to somebody or whatever it is. But go on the website and register because then they'll see, we will feel like a collective that's actually coming together to unleash our our power at um, transforming the world because there are enough resources if we did it differently. It's really not a, a shortage of resources, right? We just it's, need it's, to be... <clears throat> Um, feeding, clothing, housing, and doing all kind, educating the global population. I believe we can do it if we all come together. I completely agree. There's never a lack of resources. If anything's lacking, it might be our resourcefulness. That's true. Right. What's your piece of good news? My piece of good news was uh, I saw an article where they have outlawed banned uh, dolphins and whales in Canada being yeah. in captivity. And I know there's a caveat in there about injured and, and you know, these animals that need help and support, you know, to stay alive, I think that's great. But it's nice to see, and they, they call it the Free Willy Act, which I thought was kind of cute. Do you know I was Free Willy's, the kid's mom? 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, That's... Free Willy 3. Yeah, <laughs> very awesome. old school. Our very own Tasha is an actor as well. Okay, my other piece of good news. Actually, I have two more. Scottish government announced all state schools will be required to teach students about LGBT rights. And the two uh, guys who kind of came up with this are so unlikely. One guy's name is Liam Stevenson. He's 40. He's a truck driver. Like, I'm being very stereotypical. Drives a tanker, like a guy's guy. And he got together with this Jordan Daly, 22, kind of a hipster. He's got his degree in equality and human rights. And in the pub, they started talking about homophobia. They worked together for three years, and they formed a campaign for Time for Inclusion Education. So for the first time anywhere in the world, in Scotland, students will learn about the history of the LGBT movement and their rights, and as well talk about homophobia and transphobia. Brilliant. It's Good about news. Time. Yep. You know, hopefully we'll see more, you know, less suicides and things of that nature because we know the youth are so troubled with, with yep. their gender identity these days. So, yep. you know, it's about time they address that at that level. We sure. all, not they. We. Yeah, well, because yeah. we were talking schools and things. Yeah, so, but, yeah. I, you know, absolutely. So my other piece of good news is uh, the legislation. It's, it's a few weeks old now, but it's the, the fact that they have legalized and decriminalized psilocybin mushrooms in Oakland and Denver, huh. meaning, you know, it's you, you can't buy it or sell it legally, but it's legal to, my understanding is legal to grow and it's legal to use. So it's... Uh, Without <clears throat> conditions as to uh, being a church or being done in ceremony yeah, or exactly. do you know, yeah, you can it, just it, use it recreationally? They're, they're, they're legal now, yeah. So it's, uh, it's just a sign of the times with what's going on with the plant medicines and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's about time. You know, who outlaws nature anyways, right? Right. Here's my last piece, although it might sound kind of, because I'm talking about criminal activity, it might sound negative, but to me, this is really good news. Keith Rainier was found guilty on all charges against him. He was, he had this hugely successful personal growth group, which had tons of celebrities. I won't even bother mentioning names. Well, I will. It was (laughs) (laughs) because it's Vancouver, I guess. Um, Allison Mack, who was in Smallville here, shooting here in Vancouver, was one of the people. And there were some others. But serious shadow side, this organization. And I'm mentioning it as good news because what it illuminates for me is how to never ever give your power to anybody i don't care the shaman i don't care about his lineage i don't care about the guru whoever it is if you feel uncomfortable and in some way that your personal essence or truth is being challenged talk speak up say no so yep he was found guilty um so were a number of his people because it was a huge lucrative business as many self-help groups are so Mm -hmm. yeah it's just super important we're in this world we're surrounded by so many workshops and different things do your research which will segue perfectly to our guest today Um, get informed and listen to your own intuition and your own bodies don't give away your power no absolutely and that's a whole you know our individual personal power is so important and to never give that away take a look at what makes sense and if it makes sense to you and apply it you know and if it doesn't discard it yeah right and it might make sense to you in five years well but the thing that's so dangerous to me um is what happens with groupthink mm. and how the power of the group weighs on the individual and kind of uh can intimidate the freedom you might feel to speak up and that's where we all need courage because i think that's a human thing right mm-hmm. well, it's peer pressure it, really. yeah the peer pressure yeah. so right. yeah th- that's our are you going to play the the flash one uh, i didn't have it ready i'm sorry tasha i will get better 
Okay, to I'll let you, you take you the jingles home our, and play and with for them. All of our listeners, you can play with the jingles, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, tonight's show: <laughs> the science behind cannabis and mindfulness. So this is kind of cool. We talked about cannabis last week. We had a panel on. We were talking about laws around it, um, the legalization, the grow year four. But we had a caller who called in and had some uh, ideas of, of how he could contribute to the conversation. And so he's here tonight. Dr. Ricardo Rivera is a faculty member in the Department of Anesthesiology, Pharmacology, and Therapeutics at the University of British Columbia. He's the Chief Science Officer for Ecovita Health Corps and designated cannabinologist for Thermed Health Corporation. Besides his extensive experience in the chemistry and um, pharmacology of cannabis, Ricardo was instrumental in helping organize and direct the first clinical trial with dried cannabis flowers in Puerto Rico, uh, aimed at healing and working with acute pain. Working from his lab at UBC, he's conducting various research projects exploring the therapeutic efficacy of cannabis to treat specific diseases. He's passionate about cannabis education, as well as mindfulness, which we'll talk about in the second half of the show. And well, Welcome. You've also got a show here on Co-op Radio called Cannabis Science Podcast, right, on Saturdays. I do, actually. Two shows. Okay. Uh, Cannabis Science Podcast and El Bus de las Siete. Uh, awesome. It's been a, you know, a co-op radio staple for the last almost 24 years now. And, yeah, so I, I did call in because I was kind of enthusiastic. For, for one, I, I'm a fan of the show. I've, I've been The first time I heard it was, I think, a few months ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, I like the stuff they're talking about. I really identify with it. Um, maybe 10 years ago I wouldn't, but today, you know how we grow and we find out a little bit, life's a little bit more uh, complex than we realize. And so uh, I liked it a lot. So I decided to call in and say, hey, guys, you know, I, I actually have a, a different side of the story than, than even most people are aware of. So can we start with what it was that you didn't hear that you feel a listener would want to know mm-hmm. about cannabis if they're, they've decided to become informed? What did we miss? What's the most important piece that you want our listeners to hear about? So you had a very thorough conversation concerning the laws and the regulations and a lot of the infrastructure and, and all these, um, I guess, important aspects of the plant. Uh, but I, I believe Mark asked, or, or yourself asked, you, you know, what about the science? What's been That's going right. on uh, with the science? And and they were, I think they alluded to a few things, but they kind of skimmed over it. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of telling myself, you know, there there's so much going on right now that it's really important that we make this, you know, make the population aware of. Um, you know, a lot of the science, I would say before the last four or five years has been really exploring the negative sides of the plant Mm -hmm. and now that we've the doors or the floodgates have been open there's been a lot of very good research done to I would say illuminate this fascinating plant. So let's get specific. Shall we start Mm -hmm. with the studies or shall we start with the components because that was the other thing we didn't quite I'm not sure uh, you know, everybody knows about THC, mm-hmm. they know about CBD, but not necessarily the whole plant and all the mm-hmm. chemical properties and everything else. Do you think, can you do an overview and then we'll move into the studies? Does of that course. work for you? So when people, okay, let's, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's so much here, but 
Let's start with what's known about the constituents found in cannabis. So you've, you, you've heard, I'm sure, that, oh, cannabis has hundreds of constituents, right? Um, cannabinoids, terpenes, uh, flavonoids, and all sorts of other compounds, right? Now, here is the thing that I think most people have been maybe a little bit confused about. Within the realm of the constituents, the cannabinoids are the most important. They're the ones that have a demonstrable therapeutic effect. And within those cannabinoids, there's only a very, very few or tiny amount that have actually been studied. Um, most of the other ones have been maybe tested in in vitro experiments. When vitro means in glass, it means like, um, you know, in cell lines, not in whole animals, not in people, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so the marketing has really far outpaced the science in this regard. But with regards to the specific cannabinoids, for example, THC, we all know, delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the active constituent found in cannabis, is, which imparts the um, psychoactive component of the plant, is, is a very instrumental, for example, in, in pain management, chronic pain management, in neuropathic pain management, now it's been observed, and other side effects. And then there's the other constituent that's really been explored, CBD. Now, what's really fascinating, though, about this plant is first, nature knows much more than we do, than, than, than we could ever, I guess, synthesize, let's put it that way. So what we've discovered through our extensive research is that the whole is written the sum of its parts. What does that mean? That means that the plant, the whole plant, or the, the compounds found within the plant work much better together than individually, right? So when you have isolated, for those of you that like, maybe I shouldn't say this because I have actually best interest in this, but for <laughs> those of you that uh, that take isolated CBD, even if you take a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of THC, you're likely going to get more benefit from it than the CBD alone, for example. But now, where the real magic lies is with when you mix this this uh, melange, I guess, of, of different constituents together, there's this beneficial profile which we haven't gotten to the point of illuminating or elucidating completely yet but there are inklings that the key is within I would say eight or nine different cannabinoids together this specific ratio is that's where we're going to find the real magic but are you talking about messing with those ratios I would say likely well like, well one thing too is that we've messed with the plant quite a bit right there's, I'm not sure if you, you know what land races are. So land races are those plants that have grown naturally and have adapted to different locations around the world. Hmm. And the land races form the basis for all the cultivars. Is what I, I don't like to call you strains so much as, as cultivar that are found nowadays in, in, in Vancouver and, in, in, you know, the U.S. and the rest of the cannabis consuming world. And now the thing is that we've altered the genetics of the plant significantly to favor one or one or another cannabinoid essentially either mm -hmm. a lot of THC which is you know obviously what the recreational market has demanded or a lot of CBD which is what the medical market's kind of demanding now right mm -hmm. but we've kind of forgotten about the other constituents and so the plant in its natural state elevates the expression of a lot of these other constituents and we've tested a lot of these maybe more dynamic 
uh, plant profiles and found that, in fact, there's something very special about them that... When they're together. Exactly. That you can't explain which, with THC or mm-hmm. CBD alone right. by right. itself. Yeah. So what are some of the current human or animal studies that are revealing to you when you're in the work that you're doing? What's really amazing you these days? So, for example, um, there really is a lot of good work looking into chronic pain management with cannabis in, in, and with the whole plant. So GW is this large pharmaceutical company that's been doing a lot of this work, and I, they don't publish all this information. So a lot of, of the stuff that we're doing is being rediscovered. A lot of the stuff that other people are doing is also being rediscovered. But, for example, neuropathic and chronic pain conditions are very poorly treated, right? We all know this. Um, there's, and, and the reason why they're poorly treated, actually, is just, you know, without getting too much into the science, it's just because, you know, when it, you have acute pain, you have an, an expression of amino opioid receptors or just general opioid receptors in, in abundance. So you take an opioid and, you know, the pain is, is blocked and you feel better. But with chronic and neuropathic pain conditions, in fact, those opioid receptors are downregulated. So those opioids don't work. I mean, and anything... Most things that aren't like a local anesthetic that numb the nerve completely will mm-hmm. likely not, you will not find a, a, a significant benefit. And, and cannabis is very interesting here because we have this overexpression of cannabinoid receptors and, and other receptors that cannabinoids target within the body. And it seems like those receptors aren't downregulated. And what happens is a lot of patients that have these conditions that have no other recourse seem to benefit significantly from cannabis through these very interesting mechanisms that will tie into the mindfulness aspect a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cannabis is is known as an entheogen. You know, guys, uh, the definition of an entheogen is essentially, uh, I'm sure you guys know of this, of course, but uh, for the listeners, it's, it's, a, it's a chemical typically plant-based that is used for uh, spiritual or, or mind or consciously al- uh, consciousness-altering properties. Expansion. Exactly. Yeah. And so cannabis has been a, a component within that realm for a very long time. And I think now we're kind of finding out why that's the case. And that then plays into this, this use in chronic and neuropathic pain conditions. In that. Do you want to touch on that? You might as well. You mm-hmm. mentioned it. Let's, yeah, let's sure, of answer course. that. So what's happening that it, so, it, it, it's so entheogen? Because cannabis, so cannabis is interesting in that, let's say that opioid receptors, they target this receptor, which is a, a G-protein G couple receptor, which is similar to the CBD and CB, TBD1 and CBD2 receptors. Um, but so opioids do change your perspective on the pain, but they also seem to inhibit neural activity. Now, cannabis is different in that it really seems, the way that it produces analgesia or pain block and the way that it seems to benefit a lot of these patients' conditions is that they change significantly the perspective that one has of that pain. So it it, it makes you maybe think of something else and and you forget, oh, I've been in pain, I've been feeling ill, I've been feeling this way or that way. And it, it changes that perspective. It molds it to, to something that's maybe more, not, I would say, um, it doesn't block the pain completely, but it makes it so that you can deal with it better. Mm-hmm. And you, you yourself, your body, 
and your mind can manage it better. Is, are there any studies done on that? What's happening in the brain when you're there's on cannabis? A, there's a few studies now being done um, at UBC, um, at, at Harvard actually as well, and, and Columbia University, which are looking into this. And, and a lot of actually uh, really good studies done in Spain and in Italy concerning this that are looking at how is it that cannabis can help, for example, fibromyalgia. It seems that um, actually a study in the Netherlands recently came out showing that cannabis, fibromyalgia is actually a condition that's not very well understood. It seems like you get these tingling sensations in your, in your body, in your, in your legs, for example, um, sometimes often painful conditions, which... Well, it can't be attributed to any mm-hmm. one thing, and it moves yeah, around, exactly. so it's really... Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the psychosomatic uh, disease, let's put it that way. And so doctors have been at a, at a loss as to how to treat this, and it seems recently there was a study that came out of the Netherlands that looked into this, and Bedrocan, this company that... Uh, I, I, I think they're doing things quite well, um, decided to explore this and demonstrated that there's actually this demonstrable therapeutic efficacy for patients with fibromyalgia. Now, these studies are done in, let's say, uh, about, no, I want to say hundreds of patients, but there's definitely a, a starting point in humans to, to um, you know, suggest this therapeutic efficacy. So here's the thing. It's like, if it doesn't, if there's no answers in the medical model, what I'm mm-hmm. seeing is everybody's jumping on this pot train. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, just try it. Just try it and you'll see. Mm-hmm. Like it's some sort of a, a go-to for absolutely everything. So how about at least breaking it down? Let's get really specific. We know it works with epilepsy, especially with children. I want to hear from you mm-hmm. what studies are clearly indicating yes and so now you've given us fibromyalgia. You've given us, mm-hmm. well, I'm bringing epilepsy to the table. We talked about that last week. You're saying it can help spiritually shift your perception of what mm-hmm. chronic pain is occurring. What else? And and then mention the study, if you don't mind, when uh, of, you talk of, about of it. Of course, and I'm happy you brought that up because, yeah, one of the things I think that cannabis has been attributed is, is this cure-all yeah and, and what we know about cure-alls is they cure nothing right so yeah. cannabis is not a cure-all it definitely has specific therapeutic indications and we're uncovering many of them uh you know consistently now and that we're able to study it properly um, so it seems like for example uh for mild to moderate acute pain Cannabis is definitely beneficial uh, in, in that way that it changes your perception. And again, one of the things to highlight as well is that cannabis, unlike many of the other drugs you're taking or drug cocktails you're taking, is, I'm not going to say it's, it's um, harmless, but it's definitely significantly less harmful than anything, yeah. most of the things you can take, yeah. uh, including you know, most conventional over-the-counter drugs you can take. Let's put it that way. So... Um, there's, there's, to start with that, but so with mild to moderate acute pain, cannabis seems to be effective for uh, mild nausea for IBD, for example. Cannabis seems to be effective. There's again studies. So is that because you're relaxing? What is it with oh IBD? Man, there's. I can, I can go down the rabbit hole with this, but for everybody's sake, I, I'll, I'll... We're not going to get to uh, mindfulness you know, because no. this is so fascinating. No, no, uh, this is right. This is so cool. I, I, I love it. Okay. So. The theory is that 
So cannabis, you've heard of CB1 and CB2 receptors, right? CBD1 and CBD2. So those are just one of the very few receptors that cannabis activates. Cannabis also activates uh, what's called the trip one channel. So trip one channels like this. It stands for the transient, uh, transient receptor, or transient vanilloid receptor subtype one channel. It's, it's a capsaicin receptor. When you eat hot chili pepper, that's get that's what's being activated, okay. and that is what's also known as a polymodal nociceptor. So it's a, a specific pain sensing receptor. So it integrates chemical pain, heat, as you know, when, when you're out in a hot day, if it's really hot, um, a chemical like. Um, uh, acid pain and it just integrates it and it transmits it to the brain and that's found in a lot of different places you know uh, in the nerve endings for example in sensitive areas but also throughout the GI tract and interestingly an agonist or an activator of this receptor is is uh, THC and CBD Okay, so I got a little lost there because when you said acid pain you're talking about acid reflux? Well, like, uh, like you know, are you saying it's better than Rolaids? Well, like, that's pretty, I've never heard that one. Well, I, I got to tell you, I've never really had uh, any of those issues. So, hey, maybe. Well, well, when you get when you feel like the acidity, the, the pain from acid in yeah. your in your gut, yeah, you're activating also those receptors. So that that's part of it. Yeah. Okay. And, and were you eating a, a chili pepper or right. or even getting hit in the face? Like, those receptors are being activated. Okay. So what happens is that these cannabinoids mildly activate these receptors but then desensitize them so that's why when you eat something really really hot and you feel like this intense pain yeah. but then it goes away you're numb right and so it's actually very useful for example for uh for um shingles there's very few treatments for shingles and that's one of them rub some capsaicin cream on you and you'll actually benefit significantly i, I told that to my grandfather who had that recently and he he was he blew his mind but um going back to the gi thing so it seems like these cannabinoids, let's say you take an edible, you're mildly activating these receptors to get desensitized, and then the inflammation that you have in the GI tract goes down. And that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why cannabis has been attributed this property to be able to help with that. And would that work in other places in the body besides the GI tract if you have inflammation? So, again, CBD, it, in vitro, has been attributed to anti inflammatory properties, and there's been some inklings that it could be anti inflammatory, but it seems like Together, these cannabinoids. I'm not gonna go. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna be reserved there as a scientist. I'm not gonna go out and say it's useful for all inflammation, but there's suggestions that it can be. And 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 are you testing that? At we're looking the moment? into that. We're looking into that. Yes. Uh, another another uh, usefulness for um, for uh, cannabis yeah. that's been definitely uh, you know seen clinically is for reduction of nausea due to chemotherapy-induced mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a very specific uh, chemotherapy-induced uh, nausea, let's put it that way, or anti-emetic properties um, when, you're, when you have these, these very toxic chemicals inside your body. So cannabis has these properties of increasing your appetite, right? And the mechanism, it's not understood completely yet, but there's trials that have been done to suggest that, yes, uh, a a, actually, it's, it would be a CBD, 10 to 1 th, CBD and THC. So uh, let's say 1 milligram of THC with 19 milligrams of CBD significantly reduce nausea and vomiting conditions. So l- let's clear something out. We have drugs, all sorts of drugs to, to block you from vomiting. Mm-hmm. But that's not the problem. When we vomit, we feel good, right? Mm-hmm. We feel better. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we vomited. That's great. Mm-hmm. What sucks is the nausea, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. what's really bad. And... 
very few drugs deal with it. So right. cannabis, and, and it seems that that ratio of at least that's what been, what's been tested does seem to benefit patients. Anything else? Anything we've missed that people may not have known about before we move to dogs? Because I do want to talk about dogs. <laughs> Me too, because my dog, I think, needs some CBD. <laughs> so, oh man. So, uh, so we covered neuropathic pain, chronic pain. Yeah, inflammation. Uh, we covered fibromyalgia, uh, um, I, IBD, or, or uh, Crohn's disease. It's also included in that. Any other autoimmunes? So. This is where we get into the preliminary parts of things. There's been studies done with CBD that have looked at uh, a reduction in, for example, uh, the immune system attack following grafting of, of you know, uh, when you get burned into your skin graft. Oftentimes, the body will reject, we'll reject that it. skin yeah. graft. Yeah. And it seems like a high concentration of, this is studies done in Israel, mm-hmm. high concentrations of CBD administered prior to the skin graft increase the 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 body's sort of adoption of that graft and that would be as a cream in a cream form actually actually administered administered um orally so orally administered tbd yeah okay but Mm -hmm. do you have any idea or what would you speculate why how does that make sense as a scientist (laughs) so there's this suggestion that CBD has these antioxidant properties, and it may be that this, the antioxidant behaviors or, or, or the, these mild antioxidant effects that CBD has may in fact then lead to a reduced um, sort of attack of the, on the body's systems when you have this, uh, this external product or object being introduced. Now, that's very... Uh, like it. I know we're out on a limb. I know that. But you're saying it balances somehow so that um, the autoimmune's not... Or the immune system's not out of whack attacking itself. It, it, may, attenuate it. it may attenuate it. It may attenuate There's so many, yes. such a rise mm-hmm. in um, autoimmune disorders. Like, I, I think it's so prevalent. People talk mm-hmm. about, well, it's toxicity. It's um, just the way... Because of all the toxins in our food and everywhere mm-hmm. else. And so everything's perceived as an as a, an enemy. Are you saying it actually kind of cal- can possibly be calming that perception, the body's perception that there's something to attack? Well... I know I'm speaking yeah. non-scientific <laughs> language. No, no, no. I, I, I think, um, and, and uh, I think I'll uh, wrap up with this really quickly. It's just, it, it seems that cannabinoids, and not CBD in particular, but um, THC, for example, or the cannabinoids do target the CBD2 receptor, which is expressed in uh, white blood cells and and, and you know uh, cells that that are like increased inflammation that uh, deal with the body's attack mm-hmm. on external things, right. and that would likely attenuate that response through activation of these channels. Okay, we've got, I mean, this is so exciting. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, this track's awesome. It's uh, Jaw Cure, and it features Damien Jr. Gong Marley. So, yes, his youngest son, Bob Marley's youngest son. You're listening to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM. We'll be back with more. One for one draw, freeze the mind. I 
Two years old when his dad, Bob Marley, died. He's been playing music since he was 13. That's his track with Jacure Marijuana. And we're back talking about the science behind cannabis, mindfulness. My name's Tasha Sims. And I'm Mark Cron. And our guest this evening, who is a researcher, a scientist, and uh, an educator, basically. Oh, my God. Ricardo Rivera. Dr. Ricardo Rivera. So let's dive back in because we've got so much to cover. Um, where do we start? I guess on the break, what we were talking about, because I really admire how clear you are in terms of 
um, giving the listeners a perspective of what's going on in the research out there. But I think what happens when somebody is in any kind of chronic pain or going through chemo or struggling with something, it's confusing. Even hearing this information and they go, okay, that's hopeful. It's like, how much do I do? What do I do? Where do I get it? Um, it's so new and so uh, complicated is how it feels. So I want to see if you can comment on that and kind of see if there's some way to shed some light on what a person who would like to uh, be guided down this road can do. Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that I advocate is that everyone should become a conscientious consumer. The healthcare industry is like any other industry, and you just, you just don't go, you know, buy the first car you see. You don't buy the first TV that gets offered to you. And this should be the same thing for healthcare, right? We should be informed consumers, and the more information you have, the better decisions you can make, right? So in that regard. You, you run into a little bit of trouble with, with, with the healthcare industry and cannabis in that cannabis is not something that's taught to physicians at any point of their educational process, from medical school to residency. Those physicians that do know about cannabis are because they went out of their way to explore this and find out about this themselves. They really discovered the benefits through, through just need they were or they had someone in their family who was suffering, and they course. went, oh, my God, this actually helps, so they're going to mm -hmm. find out more, right? It could be personal. A hundred percent, yeah, exactly. And so this is where it becomes a little bit more complex, but, but not impossible. And again, I know uh, a small group of physicians, Canadian physicians, who actually offer these services. Now, I'm trying to remember at the top of my head, because I actually spoke with one the other day, and I can't remember his name, but... For example, a lot of these also are more on the East Coast, around in Toronto, um, Montreal. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of the these groups of these cannabis advocating patients are really like from that area right now, the, the main groups. But there's offices. And so that term cannabinologist, I actually discovered from one of these uh, colleagues of mine who's a physician who became a cannabinologist because he began he opened a practice to help guide mm -hmm. patients who that's what i asked uh, last week mm -hmm. i go isn't there a new profession that's mm -hmm. going to be birthed here because we need coaches or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it and you're well, you're saying it's called a cannabinologist cannabinologist and there's yes. a lot of you know as as i found in the research we've been doing for speakers and educators and things there's a lot of people who are not necessarily doctors who know a lot of information because they've studied mm -hmm. the papers and reports and experience and, and things so they're out there they're certainly yeah and, and let's make the, make sake one thing clear you don't need fancy titles you don't need any of this stuff to be uh, you know informed. well informed exactly to to be versed in the science and, and the information that's out there regarding cannabis so this isn't like in, in exclusively in the realm of you know what they call the ivory tower or whatever it, it, it's very accessible just need to know where to look for it and so where do you look for it so this is where it gets a little bit more this is where you have to go out of your way so there's a there's a few sources uh for example with regards to most conditions i would suggest going to the Cochrane Library, 100%. If you ever get sick, and I, and I, I can't say this enough, this is, a, this is an organization started in England that advocates evidence-based medicine, and they do what are called meta-analysis or systemic reviews 
to really explore what works. They have transformed medicine because medicine for the longest time was not evidence-based. It was Mm eminence-based. Your, you know, mentor practiced this. uh, He did the surgery and you did it the same way as he did. And it worked. He he said it worked. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Must work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and these guys, it's a group of physicians with statisticians together actually finding out whether this works or not. So for most conditions, you go to the Cochrane Library. Now C O C K R A N Cochrane? Yes, yes. Okay. So with cannabis and they have a, quite a bit of information um, you know, about these trials that are coming out, the good trials that are coming out with cannabis, but because of the science of cannabis is really still in its in its infancy, mm-hmm. you can't just go to these conventional sources. So with regards to that, um, you have to go to the centers of learning, for example, um, universities that are that are Google, for example, who's studying cannabis, labs that are studying cannabis. Uh, they're doing cutting-edge science regarding the plants. They're publishing new research. Uh, go to PubMed. PubMed's a great source. Mm-hmm. Um, Google. And, and don't look for marijuana. Look for cannabis. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You were going to mention why. And that is because? So, so marijuana is this term. It, it's, that's this racially charged term. And, in fact, marijuana was used to highlight the Mexicanness. Of this and plant. the craziness, remember? Yeah, like, it was like reefer madness, yeah, marijuana. Yeah. And that was exactly. a big part of yeah. what yeah. exactly. was the, the racial exactly. side to it, which is a mm-hmm. really interesting fact mm-hmm. behind it. The okay. Yeah, I mean, and Harry J. Anslinger said, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this, but he said that, and exaggerating obviously, hundreds of thousands of uh, marijuana smokers in the U.S. that are mainly black, uh, Hispanic, Filipino, and entertainers. <laughs> <laughs> And entertainers. That's hilarious. <laughs> Laid back entertainers. Mm-hmm. So, but but when you look for the, the information is really all over the place. But what I'd say is what you can trust is what's really published. And, and this is where it gets, I gets. I'm having trouble here because even some of the studies, like you really have to go through the. The, what's the term like? Go through the weed for the chaff, or go through the chaff for the weeds, or wheat, or whatever. Uh, because there really is a lot of variability in the data in terms of. You're saying they're slanted, possibly. Sometimes, okay. I mean, we've done, we've reproduced, we've tried to reproduce trials that have. When you see in the fine print, oh, this was uh, sponsored mm-hmm. by this company, you know, this pharmaceutical right, right, company, and so, right. and so you find okay, like there's sometimes these vested interests, but there is. What I'll tell you here, actually, is that don't worry so much about the strain. Worry more if that strain has a chemical profile attached to it. And what you really want for those patients that, I mean, for those patients that just want to get high and get really high, just high THC or whatever strain is is good. But for those that actually want a therapeutic benefit or medicinal benefit, Look for those strains that have likely have a, 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 a 1 to 4 or even if you find a 1 to 10 uh, THC to CBD profile. Those will likely benefit you quite a bit more than just the high THC strains because, one, you don't need that much THC to actually benefit. You do need a little bit. So it's shown that CBD by itself is not as effective, like I said before. So you do need a little bit of THC, but you don't need that much. And most people... I mean, I, I don't really consume cannabis anymore um, just because 
I mean, I guess I work with it, so it's not so taboo for me and stuff like that. But if I'm going to consume it, I'm likely going to consume an edible, and I'm likely going to consume something that's not so high in THC because THC does impart, like when it's really high, like 20% or something like that, it does impart a sense of anxiety for most people that aren't used to it. Mm -hmm. So this one to four ratio is even with edibles, Mm -hmm. it's sort of across the board. Exactly. I was just going to say, I think that's a really good point because there's a lot of people who are scared off of cannabis now Mm -hmm. because they've had an experience that created paranoia and anxiety and those things because they're using such a highly, highly Mm -hmm. powerful um, THC-based cannabis that you'll knock anybody's socks off. Exactly. And and again, it's not like, you know, your parents' cannabis got you less high. No, I didn't. It just, now it's gotten to the point where it's really... Uh, ridiculous, I would say. And the products now that are available are, are I think, overkill. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not for medical patients, definitely. Well, mm-hmm. and especially when you get into some of the extracts and mm-hmm. things like that out there, and what they're doing with it in that sense, mostly from a recreational point of view, mm-hmm. would be my imagination. Um, because you know, I've been hit with those a couple of times, and it's not necessarily a pleasant experience. Should it also mm-hmm. be in the creams? The THC. Do you want it in your CBD cream as well? Yes, or and, oil? and it's interesting because if you use the creams, yeah. they've shown that you do get concentration. So, uh, cannabinoids are what's called lipophilic, so it means fat loving, and they do cross the uh, the skin very easily. Now, you think, oh wow, okay, I'm going to get high if I put this cream on, but in fact, even though you have, you know, significant concentrations of these cannabinoids running through your blood. You don't actually get high from uh, topically added cannabinoid or mm-hmm. cannabis, mm-hmm. so it's very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's touch on mm. dogs because then we want to yes. move still to mindfulness. Yes. So, puppies. Okay, which I'm mm-hmm. really nervous about. It's like one thing for me to experiment. I won't experiment on my dog. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want to hear some stats. Okay. I want to hear the research. So, I want to know, but you know, so much weight. This is how much. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm not putting her through it. Well, well, just as a sidebar, my dog did it by himself. <laughs> my dog too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm definitely a dog person. I've had dogs my entire life, and actually, uh, I, my, my my partner threw my dog, and we we had two dogs. One recently passed, sadly, uh, but. Yeah, one of my dogs actually got into uh, a thing of brownies that my girlfriend had, and, and that was an interesting experience, which I will get into now, but um, now he really likes it for some reason. <laughs> but um, but so, so dogs, when you, when you think about dogs, dogs have very similar physiology to humans. Um, there's a few things that are different, but for the most part, it's very similar. When you, they do drug testing, sadly, they, they have dogs usually before they take to humans. Um, and so most of the drugs and conditions, so dogs get most of the conditions that humans get as well, depression, uh, cancer, I mean, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. Most dogs will get the same conditions that humans get. So Anxiety. Exactly. Arthritis. Uh, so arthritis, yeah, oh my God, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's sad. It's when you see an old dog and you're like, oh my God, but they don't feel that way, actually. It's, it's, lo- it's lovely because dogs have a different perspective than humans. They don't, like, lament themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when you think about dogs and veterinary um, cannabis use, uh, think about it the same way you, you would yourself. Now, what the only difference is, though, likely divide whatever dose you would think you would use by 10 usually that, that there's allometric scaling which is the scaling that you know when you have an animal you, if you're doing testing on animals or you're giving a drug to an animal then you scale it 
for a specific percent But you can't scale it if the weight of the dog is like a child. Like, how do you scale it? How would you do that? Well, for example, let's say uh, um, if... And, and sometimes vets and physicians know this, but there's actually um, little formulas you can follow that, that, that'll tell you. With most drugs, in fact, if you take this drug, how much would it be, for example, for a 20-pound dog? And you can do the math and, and reduce it. So, for example, if you take, a let's say, a 200-milligram dose of ibuprofen, a dog will likely take, I would say, uh, 20 to 25, depending upon the weight, uh, is, is reasonable. And you want CBD and THC also there? Yes, yes. Now, again, you don't need a little goes a long way, especially for a naive animal. Right, you don't need to give the dog very much to have them have a beneficial effect. And in fact, dogs typically don't like mind alteration, so uh, resort to that if you really need to. But it, even if you do decide to give them CBD um, or or THC or they're both together, realize that especially. In particular with CBD, you can go to very, very high doses without having to to worry. CBD is very tolerable for humans and for, for dogs, so you can go to very, very high doses. And in fact, the therapeutic effects, the benefits are found at very high doses. So again, 1 to 4 in your animal compound as well? I would say 1 to 10 or 1 to 20, actually. And the animals. studies there are showing it good for, let's like, quickly rhyme it off, mm-hmm. anxiety, arthritis, inflammation. Same thing uh, as with sa- humans. Same thing as about. with humans. Okay. Exactly. All right. So we only have a couple of minutes left. I want to make sure our listeners mm-hmm. know how to get a hold of you. I want to talk about the conference, which is June oh, June 22nd, 22nd and all day Cannabis 101. You're going to hear so much more information, so many great speakers. That information is on www.consciouslivingradio.org. And I'm going to throw, <clears throat> excuse me, I just want to throw it to anybody who buys a ticket today, uh, listen to the show or bring a friend. We'll give you two for one. Two for one. And you've got a code there for a discount. Oh, yeah. Four twenty. Four twenty. You'll save $11. <laughs> and you can still bring a friend. And with any luck, maybe Ricardo will come and join our panel in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. What a great day <laughs> that's going to be. That's at SFU, so downtown, downtown in Vancouver Center, at Harbor Center. Yeah. Um, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. The science. What is happening in the brain when we're meditating, when we're relaxing? And we know we're getting calm. We know mm-hmm. meditation works. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that it's helpful and reduces stress. Mm-hmm. But when you actually study the brain, what do you see? It's it's really fascinating, actually, the science that's coming out of it. It's one of the things that's convinced me, um, well, it didn't convince me to start the practice. I started the practice out of actually necessity, mm-hmm. uh, but continued because of what's being discovered in this realm. And uh, the 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 actual what's what I can say is verifiably true is for example we have these two parts of our brain let's say the, the I'm sure we've talked about it before the amygdala and, and the prefrontal cortex prefrontal cortex essentially is the CEO of our brain it's what makes us humans humans right but what's kept us alive this far this long is the amygdala it's you know quick reaction Fight, emotion flight, exactly freeze. that all that stuff. Mm-hmm. In this world of ours, we don't need that, right? We don't need to be... We're not going to run into a bear. We're not going to run into a... No dinosaurs wandering. Yeah, so... so, I mean, maybe a car will hit you. We're not paying attention, but (laughs) for the most part, we're in Vancouver. We're safe. So what's activating that now? It's it's everything. It's like, you know, your homework. It's Mm -hmm. it's your, your bills. It's all this stuff. And so 
what keeps it in check is your prefrontal cortex. So most of us have a very weak link between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. What mindfulness does is that it creates like this rep. It's like you're lifting, beginning to lift weights for the brain. Mm. And instead of having a one-lane country road, now you have a 10-lane highway between that. You, the quicker thinking, you're, you're you know, calm better. You feel more. Calm but, faster exactly. if you're reactive. But yeah. You feel more, but you also... Uh, can can bring yourself and see what you're doing better. You're talking about like people really don't pay attention to what they're doing as much. You really do have a perspective of your reality. But also, what's shown as well is that you know it's not just like hearsay. It's, you're actually increasing the the gray matter in your brain. So the white matter is what does the trans, the transmission. The gray matter is what holds all that stuff together and gives your brain volume and and helps you know structure the brain and your gray matter is actually increased through mindfulness so cool so we've got to wrap up tell our listeners where they can contact you find out more about you so if you're interested in in, uh, finding out more you can actually send me a a message i guess in the social medias at canna science pod you know twitter instagram or at ricardo.rivera at ubc.ca um, or you can find my site, CannabisConciencia.org. That's with a C. Uh, or listen to the Cannabis Science Podcast to find out more information about this. You're yeah, a Conscious Living Radio. On Conscious Living Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been awesome. Um, I wish we had even more time. We could have totally dive, dove into mindfulness in a deeper way. But mm-hmm. I'm thrilled with all this information. So thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks it's a so much for calling in last week. It was uh, yeah. a pleasure and to, so to get to know you. Yeah. yeah, it was random. Yeah. And it was great to just you know have a different perspective from that science point of view and and i think a lot of people in the western world now need that so thank you very much for that um yeah you've been listening to conscious living radio 100.5 fm in vancouver on co-op radio i'm tasha sims and i'm mark Caron. and here's a little hymn to leave you with leonard cohen
teaching too.